Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, people of all ages, welcome back to the Sticky Floors podcast. I am one of your hosts, CJ. I am joined by Mr. Will, and tonight we are discussing the Spike Lee classic, Malcolm X. So um, for those of you who have been on this month-long Black History Movie Month extravaganza journey with us, you know that this is the last movie that we're covering this month. We started with Black Panther. Then we went to Hollywood Shuffle. Then we did Bamboozled, which was another Spike Lee movie. And now we are in with Malcolm X. So um, before we get into talking about it, I'm going to kick it over to Mr. Will. And you can give us a summary of the film. Well, uh, first and foremost, I just want to say that uh, during this leap year where Black History Month is uh, an extra day, really excited to do this video with <laughs> CJ because uh, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, really uh, amped. Uh, to really get into this. So uh, without further delay, uh, this biographical tale of the charismatic, articulate, and intelligent prominent figure who uh, discussed many concepts of racial pride, Black nationalism in the early 1960s, also argued for Black power, Black self-defense, and Black economic autonomy. Uh, this is the quintessential, if not one of, or even the greatest biographies of all time, let alone about Black people. Wow. Um, it is solely and ironically, I might add, a clear and distinct example of the so-called American dream. Uh, this is a tale of a man who made a sweeping change uh, in his life, which began in sorrow and full of violence, death and loss. Um, reaching rock bottom, I might add, uh, a la drugs, crime, and the eventual imprisonment of himself. Uh, but then we're given uh, a second act, a uh, uh, literal second act, if you will. Um, he's able to uh, reclaim his life and reinvent himself thanks to the Nation of Islam. But it was he who had to do the work. Uh, pretty, um, pretty much a, a living embodiment of the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. Mm -hmm. um, so I would draw the parallel of the rebirth, a la the phoenix, and the metamorphosis of a butterfly. Watching this film allows the audience to see self-determination in action as he uh, did his thing. This is a very inspirational, educational, and entertaining film. That trifecta is very difficult to pull off. Um, Hence why this is a classic movie. Um, the movie progresses as we're able to bear witness to a grand and wide-sweeping movement. Unfortunately, we are shortchanged. Just when we were about to get in for a prolific, uh, uh, cataclysmic uh, change in a third act, uh, he's cut down prematurely in front of his own family and little children, I might add. Uh, the stages of Malcolm's life is literally a glimpse into the lives of multi-Blacks. We're talking about uh, the ability to walk in the shoes step by step for plenty of Africans in this country and outside of this country. Uh, we get glimpses as to the, what the journey might potentially lead. El Haj Malik Shabazz lived an extraordinary life, and thus this picture encapsulates uh, that essence, and it is also a celebration of his life. Well, that's it. That's the show. So, so <laughs> no, no but, no, but I appreciate that. I appreciate that uh, that heartfelt introduction to the movie. You know, like I said last week, we're not we're not going to hold you on this one. This is one of the movies that we really like, and that's why mm -hmm. we that's why we talk about it. Um, 
you know, it's not, it doesn't go without saying that I think both of us have a tremendous amount of love and appreciation for Malcolm X, the man and the image that he leaves that's remains to this day. And, you know, it's interesting because like, because of that, talking about a movie like this, a biopic is kind of tricky for me because mm. it's hard when, first of all, biopics are kind of tricky because, you know, you know, the story right. is the story. It's not like right. a character. It's like a real person. And, um, the other part is that, you know, when, when you really, if you really rock with the person that also makes it kind of hard to like, kind of see it in a certain way. So a little bit of a different thing from the way I kind of normally approach these movies. I thought a little bit about the idea of what Malcolm represents and what you see him represent in this film mm. in different ways. And the first thing, and you, you touched on it in your, in your introduction is the idea of the redemptive quality of knowledge of self. So you see Malcolm go through this journey of being like the Detroit Red Malcolm, Detroit Red, and then you see him become Malcolm X and you see how the exposure to the teachings of the Nation of Islam and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is what really brings him to that point. And I just, I'm always like, think about how much of a transformational story that is. And it's so much so that like, I remember being in schools here in this area and they'll have a picture of his mugshot. Mm. And then they say, mm -hmm. well, because of this mugshot, look what he became as an example. Right, right. So like, you know, like, what do you think about that idea of the redemptive quality of knowledge of self? I definitely want to um, highlight something here. Um, you can, two things can exist simultaneously. So though, although I have a great affinity for Malcolm, I understand that he is a human, mm -hmm. which means he's fallible, mm -hmm. which means that he went to the bathroom, put his pants on one leg at a time. He bled. He had disagreements. He ate food. He <laughs> drank water. He tripped. So I don't, I don't idolize him as, as far as uh, viewing him as an icon. Mm -hmm. With that being said, um, and to your, to your point that you were making, um, we have to understand that uh, there is a, a, a a love or, or an appreciation by Spike when he tells the tale of Malcolm mm -hmm. and therefore uh, the lens by which he views him in and shows the rest of the audience. As a matter of fact, the world that is, um, is often skewed um, to that. And it doesn't allow us to get him as a, as a human being, um, which lends itself to good and bad, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we have to be careful because as you commented earlier um, out in the pre-production meeting, um, if this is the only thing that you know of Malcolm X, then you're shortchanging yourself. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's an important point. And I, and I definitely want to yeah. make sure that we, we touch on that because you're right. I mean, the, the, one of the things like, you know, and this is like kind of, you know, the internet research part of it, this is Spike Lee's version mm -hmm. of Malcolm X. And mm -hmm that doesn't negate the truth of it because there's a lot of truth in it. And it's also very, very a pro Malcolm X story, which is fine. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you watch this and you come away with Malcolm X was a great man, that's good. That that's like, that's the point. I think that sometimes mm -hmm. though, the question about movies is, especially with biopics, do they become so leaning towards one perspective that it maligns other things? And, mm -hmm. and it brings up another point um, about like the idea of what Malcolm represents, which is the idea of like, 
and I, and this is not the movie doesn't really do this so much, but I, it, it does a little bit. It's like the idea of the false dichotomy between like what Malcolm represents and what somebody like Dr. King represents. Mm-hmm. And you know we you know because we're socialized and we're educated the way that we are, we're educated through the ideas of dichotomy. So it's always compare, contrast to find which is different, and I mm-hmm. and ultimately which is better. You do that right. with with Malcolm and Martin. And it's not really a fair comparison to either. You know, it does. I agree. I think that, uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier, um, when doing so, it, it shortchanges them in a way that one can't exist without the other. One is supposedly better than mm-hmm. the other. Yes, um, it draws a stark line in the sand by saying um, they don't have any overlapping qualities and traits. Yeah. Um, and if you really read up on... Um, let's just take this for example if you really read up on martin luther king jr you would understand that his name wasn't always martin mm-hmm. um in fact his name was mm-hmm. michael so he too went through a name change and there is very uh, a, a gross amount of power in the word let alone in someone's name michael meaning like god um so therefore it's very significant when he changes his name to martin or rather his father changes his name to martin after the other religious leader in europe so therefore, you know, you have to do the research, which is the same thing that Malcolm uh, was emphasizing a la the Nation of Islam when saying we don't know our last name. So therefore, we take upon the letter mm-hmm. X for the unknown in mathematics. Um, so just those things uh, draw a, a, a very uh, helpful uh, uh, line to connect the dots when saying, hey, you know, um, saying that Malcolm is uh, Magneto. And uh, that yeah, Martin that's, is Professor yeah, that's X. A, that's a um, classic one. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's not very yeah. adequate. Yeah, that's a know? classic one, and it's funny because they actually did that. That's also a comparison that's always drawn, right? The Malcolm, Malcolm oh, as the, the Magneto and uh, Professor mm-hmm. X as as the Martin Luther King. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a, a good point. And the other thing that I, I think about with Malcolm and the movie does show this, and it shows it. It actually shows it in the form of the scene where. The young man sees Malcolm go to the police station and then he comes and he says, I want to be mm-hmm. a Muslim. Right. And Malcolm's like, yeah, do you yeah, even know yeah. what that means? You know? And, means. and what I love about that scene is that it encapsulates something that is really significant and true, which is that Malcolm's presence brought a lot of black people to Islam and to the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Like the nation of Islam grew mm-hmm between, I think some of the estimates are between 700 to 25,000 during the time that Malcolm X was at the, the uh, national minister. And, mm-hmm. you know, that like, you know, we, we, you know, we're part of the black community, black people are overwhelmingly Christian and even more so at that mm-hmm. point. So the idea that oh, yeah. this person was so prolific that he actually got people to step outside of their religious orientation is huge. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no question, no question, and I think it's the uh, a credit to the nation itself where it was able to help cultivate someone of that mm-hmm. magnitude, of that ability to uh, entice others to even contemplate, let alone do it, of uh, converting to what at that time and even today, at some aspects, viewed as a foreign yeah. religion, not necessarily seeing the uh, link between the Judeo-Christian Islamic. Uh, yeah. history. Um, I think the fact too, that uh, what is also overlooked are the uh, quote unquote supporting mm-hmm. characters. Um, so, you know, um, 
you may have an amalgamation of uh, Brother Barnes, um, and you may have uh, even Betty for that matter, or more importantly, or equally important, Elijah Muhammad, um, where these individuals may be um, themselves done a disservice by not totally uh, fleshing out the characters and or um, depicting them in a uh, questionable way. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and then and then the last thing um, that sticks stands out for me is the idea of like, and I know I know Ossie Davis hits on this, and I know that you're going to reference this also too. Just the idea of like Malcolm is like a quintessential black man, you know, like he's uh-huh. like he's got so many characteristics that. Even in the even in the big the Detroit Red stage, he's still a black man, and at the Malcolm stage, mm-hmm. he's like the highest version of what you could become as a black man, and it's it's just a it's just a wonderful thing to see because you don't really see that we don't see it as much, and I haven't I haven't thought about that, but to know that that's a real person that really gets down like that, that really is that fearless, that really is that articulate that really is that engaging and interesting and and to know that as amazing as denzel washington is as playing malcolm x it still pales in comparison to watching the real man do his thing Mm -hmm. well i think that i think you hit on something there um the fact that uh you have this individual who starts off as malcolm little and it's kind of ironic his last name is little because now he's yeah. Almost godlike. Um, then Detroit Red, which is uh, also in itself a very uh, snazzy, if you will, uh, uh, gnome the plume, nickname, alias, mm-hmm. uh, moniker, because of where he they, they say, all right, you're not really from Detroit, <laughs> but it's the closest thing to where you live. So we'll just toss that out there. Like the parallels are so, so definitive. Um, and then he goes to become Malcolm X. And even and and what capsulates this is that scene inside the prison. All right, well, I'm not Malcolm Little, and I'm not I'm not uh, you know whatever they want me mm-hmm. to be. So who am I? And that's just it. He's on the road to the, uh, discovery, which parallels. Um, uh, excuse me. Let me just continue my other thought. Um, then he becomes Malcolm X. Then he becomes El Haj Malik Shabazz. You know, he goes from one organization where he was a Christian to becoming a member of the Nation of Islam to becoming a Muslim, um, you know, and then he joins one organization after another, they're saying, until eventually he goes on Mm -hmm. to form his own, uh, but again, prematurely cut down and not able to fully uh, develop that. That parallels the line of uh, what we called ourselves from one point we were the N-word, Negroes, Blacks, Africans, African-Americans. So this is how you can see step-by-step the parallels to other individuals that are are going through a similar journey. They may not have the same platform or the stage, but again, Malcolm embodies mm-hmm. all of us where, yeah, there are the street dudes who are out there. Remember, Yashua ben Yosef was crucified uh, with criminals and he was friends to prostitutes. And you kind of see that. So I understand how they're able to elevate yeah. this man to that stature because he embody some of those things, resemble some of those things, exhibit some of those things. Yeah. And then the other part is that it's a real story. It's true. Like yeah. It's true. It's documented, it's factual and actual. So that makes it even, that makes it even more amazing and even more of like, as you said, an American story, like you said, in your introduction. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the, you talked a little bit about like the actors and actresses that are part of it. I know that 
you yeah. always uh, love the cast. What are, you know, what do you want to say about like some of the cast me- cast members? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, the thing that we, we can't overlook is yeah. Words on a the paper, they may be dope, you know, they may go in and really move you. But what brings that to light are these individuals who are able to bring life to those words on the screen because we're visual people. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really describe to you what the color orange is if you don't have any eyes and you've never seen the color before. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, um, like uh, Denzel is the the centerpiece. He's the quintessential. When you think of Malcolm X, for me, I can't make the distinction, or at least when I was younger, I couldn't make the distinction between Malcolm and Denzel. Yeah. And therefore, it encouraged me to learn more about Malcolm and even encouraged me to learn more about Denzel. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that I'm saying Denzel when it's Denzel, um, you know, that inspired me to to really see these two men for who they are, actual men. And then you hit upon something before, too, which saying, you know, there's truth to every joke. And the reason why jokes are funny is because mm-hmm. of that. Because there's truth in them. So therefore, the fact that this man actually existed, sure, we get glimpses in Denzel. But, I mean, to actually be there in 1958, 1963, 1960, and actually hear him speak, hear him breathe, watch him move his arms, et cetera, Amazing. et cetera. Must have been, yeah, riveting. Um, and, and let me just say this real quick about Denzel. I know yeah. that we we talked about Denzel in the um, when we did the Equalizer 3. Yep, so we yep. talked about like just the amazing work that Denzel does. This is a quintessential part of that. Yeah. One of the things that I love that Denzel does in this movie is that even in the beginning when he's playing Malcolm Little and he's even playing Detroit Red, he the he gives you glimpses of Malcolm in it. Like mm-hmm. that scene when they're in the when he first walks into the club in Harlem and the guy makes fun of his outfit and he hits the guy over here with the bottle. Yeah, yeah, bottle. When he checks him, he checks him in the voice of Malcolm X later on. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So it's like that that is always there. Like Denzel and his brilliance always gives you that, even when mm-hmm. he's not officially Malcolm X. Well, I forget the classic sculptor who said it. I'm thinking it's Michelangelo. I could be wrong, but it's not that he necessarily chisels out anything. It's just already there. He's just taking away the excess pieces. Mm, yeah. So that's what it is for for Denzel, for Malcolm, et cetera, et cetera. Um, with that being said, um, got to show some love to Angela Bassett. Uh, of course, which we queen. did in Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about Angela. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, again, she is Betty Shabazz, and so much so that uh, she left her stamp uh, such an indelible mark is that they brought her back in Panther. Yes, I remember that. To, re- great. to revise that role. Yeah. That's a great point. Great point. Yeah. Um, and then just a shout out to to some of these individuals in no particular order of importance. Uh, we're talking about Al Freeman Jr. as Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, they literally hit the look, the style, the feel when they cast him as uh, Elijah Muhammad. Um, one of my fate. He's definitely, he's definitely one of my yeah, favorites. I like I, like one of my favorites. Elijah Muhammad is in so many mm-hmm. other things now, but that's always the one that I think of when I think of like Elijah yeah. Muhammad in film. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Another favorite of mine though is, uh, uh, I'm probably mispronounce his name, like uh, Denzel, Denzel, um, D, uh, Delroy Lindo um, as no. Uh, oh, Delroy Lindo is great. Indian yes. Yeah, man. He, yeah. Dude, he does his thing as is, is like the local gangster godfather figure. Like, man, he gets busy. Um, Yo, 
Weston and Archie also is like one of the smoothest dressers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in film. Like at like the joint he's got when he's got the little yeah. the little um collar with the tie still on it. Like, come on, that dude, he goes to work yeah. and that whole that he's he's fantastic in that. Yeah. Man. Definitely. Yeah, one of my favorites. But I also gotta show some love to uh Spike Lee as Shorty with the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I for those that don't know, CJ and I uh We've we have a host of other friends that uh we we mess with and the one line that we tend to quote a lot is Shorty's line about him having an affinity for a particular type of food and uh female companionship. Um Yeah, no, so hold on, wait, wait, wait. when you say a statement like that, now you gotta put some qualifiers around it. <laughs> We're saying that that's in jest and in joke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not like us saying it like <laughs> no. that's our style. Yeah, no, no, that's no. not what no. we say. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not trying to clean. imply that that's what we're about, and that's the life we yeah, live no, in. Gotta, of course, yeah, you got to clean that context. Up. Context. <laughs> you gotta, I'm just saying. You it's put a, a disclaimer on. We say like that, that sarcastically <laughs> in jest, like in humor. Uh, uh, another person that uh, I definitely put the spotlight on is uh, Teresa Randall, who Spike Lee has uh, uh, hired, casted mm-hmm. in other flicks. Um, and she, Girl Six. Yep, yep. And she plays Laura, and I think that Laura is also a very symbolic figure, as you're talking about, from innocence, uh, a childlike naivete, and then being thrust into the quote-unquote real world and getting, um, unfortunately, uh, led astray, cast cast aside, um, um, just, yeah, like CJ said, destroyed by that overexposure, Mm -hmm. um, where she's literally a prostitute and they show her kind of like looking, but not looking at Malcolm, Malcolm as on the yeah. street and her taking on a John into, um, you know, some just dilapidated building. Um, and then also I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Christopher Plummer as the chaplain uh, who uh, is with Malcolm. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. Got to give uh, credence to uh, John Esp- uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Oh man, this dude, one of my favorite actors of all time. Definitely to uh, my man, Wendell Pierce. Get your hands out my pocket. Um, This dude is, is underrated character actor of all time. Um, Yeah. Definitely got to give some shine and some love to that brother, man. And, and opened up and opened up supermarkets in new Orleans in real life. Right. So this is, this is a, this is a real community dude, man. Well, you know, that's where he's from. So he's always giving back. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah. And then I I definitely got to highlight Roger Guinevere Smith, uh, Mm -hmm. who would later play uh, Huey P. Newton on stage on Broadway. Um, Again, Spike has used him as well in other films um, as well as John, uh, John Carlo Esposito, the two of them, um, they bring such a, a, a impactful uh, performance in everything that they're in. So you can't kind of have one without the other. But sometimes when you can't get both, you'll settle for one. Um, I'll definitely. Oh, yeah. The Huey, the Huey P. Newton story is like, I forgot about that. Yeah. That is like a great um, stage play. And it's actually very interesting. One to man. Watch. Yeah. One yeah. man play. Mm-hmm. And. It's got a line in it that I always remember to this day when he says, um, for even if paradise was my prison, I should hope to leap the crystal walls and see what is on the other side. Mm. And I always remember that from mm. that thing. So when you brought that up, it just it just sparked me. So yeah, that 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 dude gets down though. Yeah. And absolutely. the uh 
gentleman that uh, CJ had mentioned before about the young brother uh, saying that he wanted to be a Muslim, taking off his hat and being very eager. Uh, that's Mr. Jean-Claude Lemaire as Benjamin 2X. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been in countless other things with Spike as well as away from Spike. Um, definitely. And last but not least, and there's others that I could talk about as well, but I definitely want to make uh, reference to Peter Boyle as the captain, uh, Captain Green in the scene where he says, that's too much power. For oh, too much one- power for one man. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of these lines that's, that's- are just so impactful like Mm -hmm. they resonate and reverberate and i no longer even see the actor uh as like an individual person i see them as the character and that line reverberating to me from the screen from the projector whatever have you yeah it's an amazing yeah i mean like it's an amazing um movie and i I appreciate you lifting up all the actors and actresses that were a part of it because you're right, you can't you can't make a three hour plus movie without really good acting, and you need mm-hmm. other people to pick up parts of it. And all of those people that you you mentioned, they are in significant scenes because they're significant in those scenes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like that that go, that's uh that's definitely there. This is one of the this is an important film, and we've talked about a lot of films, you know, since we since we were doing this. This is the twenty sixth one we've done, or maybe twenty four if you. 25, whatever case may be. This is, we talked about a lot of films. 20 plus. Yeah. 20 plus. Good. Thank you. Thank you for the summary. Not all of them I think of as important, but I think this one is really important because it starts, it sets the foundation for Mal for the idea of Malcolm X. And you mentioned mm. that when you said, you know, you think of Denzel, you think of Malcolm X, you see Denzel because of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like I said with Elijah Muhammad, I think of that actor when I think about Elijah Muhammad in film, this movie is also allowed for people allowed for, I think now the dramatization of Malcolm X, because mm. now this is like sort of sets the foundation. Now you're able to see Malcolm in like Selma and you're able to see Malcolm in a night in Miami, which is really a dramatization because in that movie, it's more like based on a play and it mm. doesn't have to really be grounded in re, in it's historical, but not factual. Correct. Um, Godfather Harlem. Another example mm-hmm. where you get to see more of a drama- dramatized version of Malcolm X. And then you also have the Netflix documentaries, Who Killed Malcolm X, which is I think is personally very good, as well as Blood Brothers, which talks about him and Muhammad Ali, which, by the way, Muhammad Ali is never in this movie. Yeah, I found that weird, too. <laughs> like, That's what's interesting. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's also like the, the Godfather of Harlem, where Malcolm is played by two separate actors, even though there's something going on behind the scenes. So these things which you would think, you know, these people who are so uh, important to the development of the individual, um, you know, it's very uh, difficult when they're not in them in these yeah. in these pieces. Yeah. And I think I think at some point, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in Ali, there was Malcolm X. It was played by yes, Mario Van Peoples played him, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. correct. So I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, that was the. Um, you shouldn't have quarreled with Elijah Muhammad when he mm-hmm. says that to him. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's there. So that's interesting. That's interesting to us there. Um, one of the things that we talked about, one of the things that you talked about actually was the idea of as good as this movie is, it doesn't, you have to read stuff too. Mm-hmm. And good. Well, that's, I think that's very key. Um, you, you reminded me, I guess I, I tend to give people more credit than what they're due. Um, I believe that individuals are sophisticated enough that when given an appetizer, um, it only builds the suspense and the craving and the desire for the entree. 
Whereas you reminded me that no, some people are just satisfied with the with the appetizers. Their appetite may not be as insatiable, or they mm-hmm. may not be uh, as uh, curious, or they just may be full mm-hmm. with the appetizer. You know, they just have small stomachs, whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, some people just like the shrimp cocktail, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Some, people, some people want to have the side salad. Yeah. And and that's perfectly fine if that fills you up if or if you're content or whatever it may be. Maybe you just can't, you know, digest all of that food or you're going to sleep and you don't want to be burdened with all that. Hey, cool. Whatever floats your boat. But with that being said, um, it's very key that you understand that this is a movie. And that there are other uh, uh, things left out in this man's life. You can't tell, uh, what was he, 40? 39. 39 in his yeah, past. 39. 39 in three hours. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you you got to understand there's going to be things left out. They're not going to necessarily have the ability to show all that in a three-hour film. Yeah. And you got to understand, too, the influences. Uh, CJ said something to me that was real funny where he's like, Maybe Betty was in the room while Spike was uh, penning that screenplay and looked at him like, you really going to say that? You going to write that? <laughs> you know, so so you, you don't really know what pressure. Yeah, that's, pre- that's pressure. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, it's a, good, it's, so, a, you know, it's a good point. I mean, I mean, you have to, this is a movie. There's a lot of documentaries. We talked about some of them. Documentaries are important. Mm-hmm. So are books, right? And it's not, mm-hmm. there's, there's, a lot of books written by Malcolm. Yes. I only try to re- try to try to refer people to stuff that I've actually read because that way I, I know mm-hmm. if it's like decent or not. You, mm-hmm. The autobiography of Malcolm X, obviously, that's you know. I think Starting you said. Point. I think you said you read that when you were like five years old. So you you like <laughs> you knew about no, I, I. I I actually said to CJ, I was like, I thought you came out the womb with a book. No, but um, I'm I'm I was fortunate to have been. Uh, introduced to that book by a good friend of ours because his father had recommended it hmm. and and emphasized like hey this is something you got to read absolutely and i was impressionable so therefore um it has shaped uh so i am biased it has shaped how i not only look at malcolm but also how i look at the nation of islam hmm. and the other periphery uh individuals involved at that time absolutely i mean the, the autobiography of malcolm x as you said it's like must reading, must must reading. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember once um, even seeing LeBron James at a press conference with a copy of the autobiography of Malcolm X, right? Mm-hmm. And this was years ago, but I mean, it just shows you like how enduring it is. Um, some of the other things that I would say I would recommend is like Malcolm X's speeches at Harvard, because it just mm-hmm. straight his words, no, um, no filter, yeah, no filter, and no um, like uh, commentary about what he's saying. Then uh, waiting, waiting to a book, waiting to the midnight hour, um, which is by Dr. Peniel Joseph, which is kind of a summary of the transition from the civil rights to the Black Power movement, which Malcolm is an important transitional part in there. It's also got great citations. Um, most recently, Malcolm X: A Life of Reinvention by Manny Marable, um, which is kind of a controversial re- um, read for some of the things that are put into it, and unfortunately, Dr. Marable passed away almost immediately after its release. So he was not able to defend some of the criticism of it. But with that said, I do want to make reference to a book by um, Dr. Jared Ball called uh, Malcolm X, A Lie in Re- a Lie of Reinvention, Correcting Man- Manny, Maribel's Malcolm, Malcolm, Manny Maribel's Malcolm X, which also then 
pulls from a different set of citations from the ones that, that Dr. Maribel used. And I think that that's an important point because sometimes when we like something, we only read the part of it that we like mm-hmm. and we don't mm-hmm. try to read the counter argument. But I think that gives you mm-hmm. a, a total formation of thought. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, I can't remember the exact author, but there was a book uh, regarding uh, some of Malcolm's possibly uh, questionable uh, sexual preferences um, that Alex Haley may have uh, left some things out intentionally in the original autobiography. I can't. The unfortunate thing is I'm going to remember this after we conclude this, but uh, I think it's in the Manning Maribel that book. book. I think it's in that. It's in that yeah. one, actually. So that 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 section that I read actually is what, to CJ's point, actually irritated me, fascinated me, encouraged me to try and discover more information. Mm-hmm. So it was basically like going down a rabbit hole um, for me at that time. Um, I don't think I was able to process it the way that I should. But you know, here's the thing, man. I, I've, I think if you love something, you learn about it, right? And so if yeah. you're a person that loves this movie and you love Malcolm in this movie, I think you also Mm -hmm. then go on that journey of learning more about Malcolm. And that means reading everything that's there. And I would also say Mm -hmm. that also means reading things about the nation of Islam also, and reading things about Mm -hmm. Elijah Muhammad also to compare and contrast what you see in film, what you see in dramatization, and then also what's there in reality. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and with that said, too, another harking back to uh, the lack of Muhammad Ali in this movie, um, we only get a glimpse of uh, Master W.D. Farrard, Wallace Farrard, um, in this movie. And he's such a pivotal uh, individual because he is the founder of the Nation of Islam, the teacher of Elijah Muhammad. So therefore, um, it really st- kind of struck an accord with me where I was like, wait a second. I'm not going to go into any type of detail, any type of specifics about the influences. Yeah, see, I, I always wonder, like, will, I don't know if there'll ever be a movie about Elijah Muhammad. Maybe one day there will be. Maybe, but mm-hmm. I, And I think in that movie, they will absolutely have that. Regardless. Yeah. And I wonder, but this mm-hmm. is what I also think too. And we, we talked a little about this earlier. I think at some point there will be another movie about Malcolm X, but I think it will focus mm-hmm. on the first like five or 10 years. Cause a lot of what you see with Malcolm in movies and in, and in television shows is like mm-hmm. that last three years. It's kind of like, you know, all yep. the Jesus movies are about the last two weeks, you know, <laughs> like, like it's kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind of like that thing that always happens. So you don't really get like a lot, yeah. you know, it's always like last supper forward, you know, is what you get in a lot of movies. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see that happen. Um, but this movie had a lot of things that we liked about it. Right. And that's when we talk about getting to the yeah, definitely. cake. Um, there's a couple of things, a couple of scenes that I just, I just love that I just want to lift up real quick. The first is, um, <laughs> my notes make it seem funny, but the, the Bane shower scene is not like, it's not like the way that I want to describe it, but no, we got to get caught. But, no, but so for those, right. Yeah, exactly. As, as exactly. But yeah, no, for those that have seen, seen the movie, um, when Malcolm first goes to prison, he's in the shower and brother Baines approaches him and gives him this really, mm-hmm. I would say really like G checks him about the idea of who he really mm-hmm. is. And it's a great conversation because in the midst of it, like Malcolm has got like the, the, the conch stuff in his hair, which you know burns mm-hmm. and he doesn't rush yeah. to get it out because what Baines is saying to him about who he really is, he t- tells him that he's the, the part of the lost tribe of Shabazz. And all that stuff is so powerful that it makes him forget the pain that he's going through. 
And I just love that mm-hmm. scene and how that's done. Um, the other scene I just want to lift up is the beginning of the Betty Malcolm talking about um, Elijah Muhammad's infidelities. And they mm. it's shot in two long scenes. So there's one long kind of scene discussion, and then they close the door and they go into the bedroom, and then it continues. And what I always love mm-hmm. about this is that this is, this might sound crazy too. I love to see arguments in <laughs> movies between people that feel like that makes sense for the characters. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, the argument yeah. between Betty and Malcolm done by Angela Bassett and Denzel Washington is so in alignment with how they present the characters that they are arguing without animosity in a way that makes perfect sense. And it's beautifully shot. And in some ways, it's kind of funny because it's like the opposite of like the scene in Any Given Sunday when Jamie Foxx and Lita Rashawn are arguing, which is a savage argument. But I also like it because it -hmm. makes perfect sense for what the characters are like. So I just, I love those scenes. And then if I would say like one last one, of course, the scene where they go to the police station, he does the thing with the hand and he points at everything. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's like the superhero scene of the movie. So that's, that's my cake. Well, again, those things that you're highlighting, they make sense because they're in the proper context of the character. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of good actors ask. Uh, I was watching this uh, joint about uh, Ethan Hawke detailing, like, he learned so much in Training Day from Denzel Washington because Denzel would ask the questions of the director and not to show him up or to be a jerk or anything like that, but like, Hey, what's the motivation? Because the audience is nuanced. The audience will say, Hey, don't go into that room. You know, the boogeyman's in there or, Oh, there's only, it's only one black guy in here. A bunch of white dudes. We know he's going (laughs) to die. Um, Like just certain things. Yeah. Certain things that you're able to pick up on because, you know, these things have been such told to such a degree that you just, yeah, you know, yeah. If you know, you know. Um, so, with that said, some of the things that I liked, obviously, um, the portrayal by great. Denzel, and then number two, the portrayal by Angela Bassett. CJ talked about it. The scene in which the two of them are arguing, or even some of the more intimate scenes, which gives uh, a glimpse as far as uh, Malcolm and Betty mm-hmm. being humans, mm-hmm. being in love, yep. having feelings, not being robotic, not being automatons. Um, these two are able to feed off of each other in such a way that uh, you almost feel like you're yeah. a fly in the wall yeah. in those places that in which they're doing their thing. Um, and then number three, of course, is uh, Spike Lee. And not because <laughs> of his portrayal of Shorty. That's more like the icing on the cake. Um, but really due to the storytelling, it's so it's so great. It's so excellent. Um, the brilliant cinematography, the color photography intermingled with the black and white, especially when they're doing the media interactions. Um, we're talking about like that quasi uh, mm-hmm. documentary style in which the, the story is being told. Um, those compare and contrast, they go back and forth, almost like a great volley. Um, you're talking about the lighting, the imagery of Harlem. You feel like you are a mm-hmm. part of Harlem and that Harlem is another main character. Um you're talking about also um, some other favorable elements like the imagery. I mean, you look at the cars. Uh, uh, you have Sam Cooke. Oh, uh, Day's going to come yep. playing in the background. Yep. Like, so, yeah, these this movie hits on so many things. Like being impressionable as a teenager, as an adolescent. Uh, you know, they help to stay with you for a long, long time, even into adulthood. Um, 
I think the, the, the scene that really does it for me though, is, um, Malcolm is at the college campus <laughs> about to give his speech runs into that, to this blonde haired uh, lady. Um, she says, you know, me as a, as a I white person, class, you know, yeah. I, I empathize, I sympathize. Yeah. I want to be a part. I want to do my thing. She sounds so earnest and full of such, so full of so mm -hmm. much zeal and passion. Um, so impressionable. And he says, uh, she says, oh, mm -hmm. so what can I do to help? What can I, what? she's really sincere. And he says, yeah. And he keeps moving. Yeah. And he's so, yeah. Good. Yeah. He keeps it moving. And then, man. and you know what I, what I, first of all, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, like an amazing scene. But what I like about it is later on, he, when he said, you know, mm -hmm. when he forms his own organization, so he has an organization for African, African American yep, yep. unity. And, um, he says, white people can support but black people have to be in the organization because we have to do the work ourselves the work. Yeah. before we have anybody else a part mm -hmm. of it it's just it's just a brilliant thing man i love it i love it i and love it says okay it all. so that's the stuff that we really liked about it um and there's a lot more obviously i mean it's a lot but you know oh we're not, we're not here forever we're here for a good time but not a long time <laughs> so um the, a couple things that i i would say that i i didn't like as much um yo the dance scene in the beginning i just it's long somebody it's like somebody said mm -hmm. hey let's do this choreographed five minute thing with people <laughs> running through the air and jumping and sliding through people's legs and all that i was like please let this end and i and i thought that now and i remember thinking that when i was young <laughs> and i was watching what is, thought it? Yeah. is this some i remember when i was matter of fact when i first saw it i was like is this a musical like what is happening here like what is this so whatever um oh man i go i gotta push back on that though man i think it humanizes okay. him okay. i think it shows like hey yo he, he could get down he could do his thing on the dance floor he it. liked to go to dances be around people it's it. fun energetic I it, but a music video like, is three minutes long that was five uh, minutes and 50 seconds you can still get there. I'm just saying. Anyway, I like anyway. That's like that. That's a nitpicky thing, but fine. Um, two other things that kind of a little bit more of a serious thing. Um, I love the scenes of, and this is not, you know, dang, you can't put everything in a movie, and I get that. And I think that they did the right. best they could. I just felt like the jump between Malcolm and Betty kind of having ice cream to like the next scene, him saying like, "You want to marry me." It just felt like it was so uh, short, Mary. you know what I mean? Like that, I would have loved to see that be more, a little bit mm -hmm. more developed, you know, but so be it. Um, the other right, thing right. is something that you kind of alluded to. Um, I'm not going to belabor, but the movie is definitely like so, so, so pro Malcolm X that it makes everything else and everyone else look bad. Mm -hmm. And it never questions, it yeah. never makes you question any of the decisions. It never makes you question anything that he does as Malcolm mm -hmm. X. And I think while it's admirable and it shows the love and appreciation that Spike Lee has to present Malcolm in that way, it also then reinforces, I think, why you need to read more and, and watch documentaries to try to get like a broader, fuller picture of not only Malcolm, but the entire um, universe of people and organizations around him. And I'm not talking about the FBI and I'm not talking about the NYPD because they kind of got them right. Mm. But I am talking about the Nation of Islam mm. and Elijah Muhammad and the way the other Muslims in the nation felt and how the other um, black leaders felt like that entire part needs probably could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Well, to your point with that, um, Cormega has this line where he says, 
the enemy is never a stranger. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to remember, um, and again, I I hope that I'm not belaboring the point, um, is that, again, quoting Cormega, um, he says that uh, betrayal put Christ in the grave. So on a proverbial um, um, plane, I'm looking at it as, for those that don't know, the nation took it so hard to such a degree that Malcolm was one of theirs. And they viewed as the split as such a betrayal on his part when he would go around giving these uh, interviews with the media at that time um, and casting aspersions, putting a bad light on Elijah Muhammad and thus the organization as a whole. Um, You know, the wound only deepened, it only worsened because Mm -hmm. of it. And I think that, um, you know, it's those close to you that, um, you know, we we hold in such high regard and they're able to hurt you because they know you most, because of the love and the respect that was there um, and even continues to be there because the opposite of love isn't hate. It's total, complete mm-hmm. indifference. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to keep that in mind when we watch these movies that, um, to your point, that even though he is a hero and a symbol of what we can be, we also have to understand that there is good and there is bad within all of us and two can exist simultaneously. Yeah. And I mean, like we're people, like we make, yeah. we, you know, people are going to make mistakes and people are going to have contradictions and people mm-hmm. are going to have contradictions on their journey through elevation to different mm-hmm. levels. And I think that as, as people, you know, when we're looking at the idea of our heroes, whoever our heroes may be, we have to, I think as you get more kind of sophisticated, you don't rely on your heroes to be perfect for them mm-hmm. to be valuable. And no I think that's like a learning lesson because I I remember how I felt about Malcolm walking out of that movie theater. Mm-hmm. And I know how I feel about Malcolm today. And I, I still have that same love and appreciation and adoration. The yeah. difference is now I'm much more educated about the entirety of the person and the enti- and the other things. But learning more about something shouldn't diminish how you feel about it if you can also then see the bigger picture of what is the Mm -hmm. impact of this person? How did this person change the world? How did this person change you? Oh, definitely. And I think that's the key because we all want to be loved, respected, and heard. And I'm constantly reminded that of of a good friend of mine who uh, made that point. Um, Sometimes we neglect to see these individuals as human beings um, that we love and respect that are fallible, that they are capable of making mistakes. Sometimes we lose some respect for them when we find out that um, they're not doing what we envision, which is kind of funny and ironic because, you know, we're only letting ourselves down when we have these expectations yeah. that we expected this person to be more than what they are. It's not that they let us down, it's that we let ourselves down and we can't necessarily point the finger back at ourselves. And it's much more, as Guru said, it's much more easier to tell someone how to live their own life than to lead yours. Yo, so wait, wait, wait. wait. So we got two Cormegas and a Guru quotes in the middle of the the Malcolm X movie breakdown. Wait, yo, you make your Cormega sounds like a like a like a scholar, man. Like, where's his with like I gotta go back and listen to some Cormega, man. Like, goodness gracious. I mean, like Cormega said that. Shout out to Cormega, man. He's a legend. So um, yo, did you have anything that you that you didn't like about the movie or any any scenes that that did? Oh no, oh yeah, definitely. Um a lot of the stuff that CJ mentioned, you know, um 
I, I agree. I see where he's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think the biggest thing for me um, that really stands out is the inevitable conclusion to mm-hmm. the biography. As CJ said, mentioned, you know, it's a biography, so you know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I purposely do not, I've only seen it maybe twice, literally. I purposely intentionally do not watch the end because I don't want to leave that lasting impression. I know it's crazy, you know, it's childish, whatever have you, but I want to be able to say, nope, still alive. <laughs> when I last when I last saw it, he was uh he's forming he's forming his new organization, he's working out the kinks. Yo, that's you know, nope. That's driving home to his kids. That's the last time I seen the joint. Yo, you know what's funny is that I have that same feeling with Carlito's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never like well, to watch Carlito live. I never. I think he lives. I never. Him. Yeah, but I don't even like to see him get shot. I don't even like to like. Ooh, I don't even like to okay. see that part. Like, I think I cut it off right when Benny Blanco shows up. Like that's I'm like. Well, okay. that made me not I'm like John Leguizamo right, for such a right, long time. Right, right. Because you love man. Carlito. So one day we do uh, Carlito's way. But yeah, that's so funny. I I get that, and I I know what that is too. I when this you know so look during Black History Month you know they play Malcolm X on TNT. It'll be on there. Oh. I never watch yeah. the ending. <laughs> I, I, never. I, I watch it all in black. As soon as they, as soon as he gets to the part, right after um, mm-hmm. the Sam Cooke song, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm yeah, I, I'm, I don't even get that far anymore. I'm, I'm enjoy- I know I'm good. I just like to hear the Sam joint, and I'm like, cool. Time to cut it off. <laughs> so, um, all right. So let's go. Let's get to our questions, man. Um, I got a couple of questions for you about this movie. Um, so, first one is. Does the movie spend too much time with the big red storyline? Sorry, Detroit red storyline. You know, CJ made a great point in uh, pre-production and and it's been swirling in my head. And I, I'm going to say, you know what? I like CJ's uh, critique and his modification. They redo this joint. They're going to have the movie about Malcolm X. They're going to extend his life, et cetera, et cetera. But they're going to do flashbacks. And in those flashbacks, like CJ mentioned, they're going to do bits and pieces of his life as Detroit red. And I, I like that, but I guess it's because I'm comparing contrasted with what I already know. Mm-hmm. And my answer in the pre-production meeting was, um, I think it's just right. Um, I like the dance scene. I like the robberies <laughs> and, the, and the things like, not saying I'm a fan of criminals, but I'm just saying that I like the depiction because it showed, you know, hey, mm-hmm. in order to appreciate the sunshine, there was some rain. There was some torrential storms. It was dark. It wasn't well lit. Um so you can fully appreciate the journey for him to get to where he was. Um, and I like the, the the humanistic aspect of uh, Malcolm X actually dancing and, yeah. and laughing and, and interacting with others in a non, in, in basically a secular manner. Yeah. I mean, I dig, yeah, I dig that. I think, um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, you, you really can't appreciate the change without seeing where it starts from. And mm-hmm. I think, Spike probably, Spike Lee probably felt like I have to educate people while I'm trying to entertain them. You mentioned right. that. If, I, if I'm if i already dealing with somebody that everybody kind of knows, maybe I don't have to do it that way. But, you right. know, he felt like he had to do it. And I understand that. So, all right, that's the one. Here's my next question. Um, So what other person of the 1960s, 70s, civil rights, black power era would you like to see a movie about? Oh yeah, um, I gave it some thought, and yeah, I'm still sticking with it. Kwame and Kwame and Kruma, Sagafo. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely like to. That's see a that. good one. I, I will just put my bid in for. Um, ironically enough, Kwame Ture, 
uh, Stokely Carmichael. Okay. okay. I would love to see, yeah. love to see a movie done about that brother. Um, so, okay, cool. So that's that one. And then, um, I think that's, yeah, that's it for me. I got those questions. All right. Well, I'm running with, uh, what do you think Malcolm X would think of the climate in 2024? Good question. So here's what I would say. If Malcolm were around to make it to 2024, I don't actually think the climate mm-hmm. of 2024 would be what we see it is now. Mm. I think that um, if he would have had the chance to see the, the, the fruition of the organizations that he talked about, and if he would have been able yeah. to be on the public stage for his life, for the extent of his life, I think that you'd see a much different 2024. I agree. I agree. Especially since, as you uh, highlighted, uh, he was 39 yeah. when he it's transitioned. a lot of life he had to live. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, to what degree do you think Malcolm would have worked with Martin? Or if at all, for that matter. Yeah, I think that um, this is another one. And, and like when you said it in the beginning that just when you think his life is going to go a certain way, he's cut down right on the cusp of so much change. This is another area where I think Malcolm would have figured out how to work with Dr. King. And I think that maybe the most threatening aspect, one of the most threatening aspects of him by himself Mm. is that he would be able to break out of so many of the structures and the boxes that Mm -hmm. different organizations and different leaders of that time were in. So, you know, you talk about the idea of, you said this in the beginning about the idea of Malcolm being a a proponent of like the idea of black nationalism and the idea of that being not necessarily the directive and drive of the nation at that time, but then having him be able to do that, what would that have exposed him to in terms of other organizations and the connections that he was able to make with different countries on the continent and operate almost as like a ambassador for the for the African in America mm. in other countries. I think it would have opened him up to work with all kinds of people, including Dr. King. Mm, I like that. I like that. Um, last but not least, um, why is there this need to uh, iconize or idolize uh, Malcolm X? Well, I think I think that um, part of it is because he deserves to be counted among the giants. He's done, you know, the, mm-hmm. as they say, the ancestor has done his work. And so I think for that reason, mm-hmm. he deserves the respect and the accolades that he receives. I also think that um, there has been an intentional public corporate attempt to make the Mm. idea of what Black History Month is and the key figures in Black History Month more smaller and smaller and smaller in number. And that in that way, it kind of funnels all the attention to a Malcolm X and he deserves it, but it also then blocks out a lot of people who you don't really hear as much about. Mm. So like you said, a Kwame Nkrumah or a Sekou Ture or a Kwame Ture or a... um, just there's there's so many other people right that that could have that also should be mentioned that are not and that kind of elevates that kind of elevates Malcolm as well so it's a, it's a mixture of him deserving it and then I think there's a a way of trying to funnel things 
And I think once again, as we've said from the beginning of this, it puts a greater emphasis on people that care about that to learn more than just what you're kind of given to in your, you know, black history performance right. play. No, I dig it, man. I dig it. Um, I got one more that I, oh, I'm sorry. You got another one or I got, I got one no, more no, no, that no. I missed shoot, actually shoot. Um, in my notes. And this was, I know there's uh-huh. like a million answers that you would have for this or a million different things, but my question would be, what is one characteristic of Malcolm that you personally admire? Oh man, without question, it's the ability to think. Um, the first thing they tell you when you go to school is that, um, you know, we're going to teach you some things and we're going to help you learn. When you go to college, though, the thing is that they tell you, we're going to teach you how to think, not necessarily how to learn. Um, and by that, there is a distinction. Uh, you can memorize some things, you know, regurgitate them real quick, whatever, whatever. But Malcolm was able to pull from different resources, incorporate them, speak in a very uh, earnest, just, uh, passionate way. Um, so you can see him giving his speeches, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he could speak to you in a very uh, down-to-earth, using mm-hmm. the local jargons and slang, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera. Or he could speak to you in a very uh, academic way um, and really break down some things and, and I'll help you learn yeah. something. I'll, I'll learn you something. Um, so this, it, it, it all stems from the fact of what he had within him, which was innate, God-given. Um, this is highlighted in the beginning when they depict the upbringing that uh, when he was going to school and him saying that he wants to be an attorney, a lawyer, and he's being discouraged by the powers that be. But he's able to use his oratative skills yep. when it matters most. And as you talked about in that scene in which he hits the dude over the head with the bottle, he... He yeah, he sounds like sounds like Malcolm. Yeah, with Mal- yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah, definitely the ability to think. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a that's a great one. Um, what about you, man? So I would say that um, it's the fearlessness that he demonstrates. Mm. Um, you know, this is a person that says things out loud in public that many people fear to say or whisper even oh, yeah. in private. And mm-hmm. once again, it's not like a characterization like this dude actually li- like like you know like they said like you live what you talk about <laughs> like like, mm-hmm. like malcolm like malcolm mm-hmm. lived what he talked about you know what i mean like yeah so, how you live so he he was mm-hmm. like true he was really true to the game and that level of fearlessness is something that you don't often see and you rarely see from mm-hmm. people in the public forum especially now where yeah. people are so afraid to say anything that may um offend anyone but Malcolm was was concerned with the truth and concerned with telling people the truth, whether or not you were prepared to hear it. Um, one of my favorite quotes uh, from Malcolm, and I, I thought about this as you asked the question, is, um, so over you is the greatest enemy a man can have, and that is fear. I know some of you are afraid to listen to the truth. You have been raised on fear and lies, but I'm going to mm-hmm. preach to you the truth until you are free from that fear. I mean, like, that's like, that's like one of my favorite quotes by the brother. And I think that incorporates the, um, the character trait that I really, really dig. Powerful. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So let's get to the popcorn. Um, I, you know, this movie, I'm going to give this four and a half. I know I said four earlier when we were talking, I'm, I'm going to go four and a half with it. Um, I just love this joint. And so four and a half popcorn. I dig it, man. Uh, everybody should know already. I'm going five uh, boxes of popcorn here. Um, this movie is uh, 
Man, it's 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 one of my favorite movies of all time. It's left such a mark as to who I am, what I aspire to be, what I've tried to instill in those around me, whether it be family, friends, or associates. Somehow, some way, I may not quote him verbatim, but I, I utilize some of his uh, speeches, paraphrase that is uh, in my day to day. So yeah, five star, definitely. five popcorns. I got it. Yeah. No All right. So let's close it out. Um, just I was thinking about the the retrospective of kind of this last month, and you know, for this last month, we've talked mm. about, as I said at the beginning, we talked about Black Panther, we did Hollywood Shuffle, mm-hmm. we did Bamboozled, and we did Malcolm X. And I would say that when I think about this movie in particular, I realized that this movie is the foundation for all the other movies that we talked about. And it actually, if I could have gone backwards, I probably would have said we should do Malcolm X first. And the reason why is because what Malcolm X does is it gives you the real life version of, I would say the fuel of self-determination and that self-determination is what is challenged and threatened in a movie like bamboozled it's personified in a movie like hollywood shuffle and then it's realized in a movie like black panther which allows for the creation of a movie where the cast is black the protagonist is black the antagonist is black it's based on the continent the black people are beautiful the costuming is great it's like the culmination of the those ideas and it's one of the reasons why I said before that I thought it was one of the most, like maybe the best black movie of all time. I know like that's a controversial thing. <laughs> you say that about mm. Black Panther, but I it I just think that's where this is. And it reminds me of something, I'm just quoting, quoting all kinds of stuff, but Bishop Henry M. Turner said this. And the quote is, till we have black men in the seat of power, respected, feared, hated, and reverenced, our young men will never rise for the reason they never look up. And the journey of these movies is about black men in those, all those positions going towards that, whether it's Malcolm, whether it's Dunwitty, I mean, I'm sorry, whether it's De La Croix, whether it's um, the character that, that, um, that, uh, what's my man's name is playing in uh, Hollywood Shuffle. Uh, I, how, um, um, Robert Townsend, whether it's Robert Townsend, it's Bobby yeah, Taylor, yeah, right. whether whether it's Bobby T'Challa Taylor. and Killmonger, it's that idea that in every one of these movies, these black men are driving this story and they are giving you glimpses into both their strengths and their frailties. But Malcolm and the story of Malcolm and the work that Malcolm did is the foundation for it. So, which is ironic because uh, Michael B. Jordan's uh, character. Um, is actually alluded to being Malcolm. That? So that's tough, man. Yeah, that's tough. Oof. You hitting on all cylinders today, <laughs> homeboy. Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm not going to try and uh, outshine CJ because uh, it's almost uh, impossible. But I do want to, uh, in all seriousness, I do want to just leave my final thoughts by, they say, uh, if you can't say it better than the original person, then you might as well quote them. So uh, I'm going with uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fantastic Ozzy Davis, uh, rest in power, in his eulogy of uh, El Haj Malik Shabazz. He says, 
Here at the final hour, in this quiet place, Harlem has come to bid farewell to one of its brightest hopes. Extinguished now and gone from us forever, for Harlem is where he worked and where he struggled and fought. His home of homes, where his heart was and where his people are. And it is, therefore, most fitting that we meet once again in Harlem to share these last moments with him. For Harlem has ever been gracious to those who have loved her, have fought for her, and have defended her honor even to the death. It is in not excuse me, it is not in the memory memory of the man that this beleaguered, unfortunate, but nevertheless proud community has found the braver, more gallant, young champion than this Afro-American who lies before us unconquered still. I say the word again as the as he would want me to. Afro-American, Afro-American Malcolm, who was a master, was most meticulous in his use of words. Nobody knew better than he the power words have over minds of men. Malcolm had stopped being a Negro Mm -hmm. years ago. It has become too small, too puny, too weak a word for him. Malcolm was bigger than that. Malcolm had become an Afro-American, and he wanted so desperately that we, his people, excuse me, that all his people would become Afro-Americans too. There are those who will consider it their duty as friends of the Negro people to tell us to revile him, to flee, even from the presence of his memory, to save ourselves by writing him out of the history of our turbulent times. Many will ask what Harlem finds in honor in this stormy, controversial, and bold young captain. And we will smile. Many will say, turn away. Away from that man, for he is not a man, but a demon, a monster, a subverter, and an enemy of the black man. And we will smile. They will say that he is of hate, a fanatic, a racist, who can only bring evil to the cause for which you struggled. And we will answer and say to them, did you ever talk Hmm. to Brother Malcolm? Did you ever touch him or have him smile at you? Did you ever really listen to him? Did you ever do a mean thing? Was he ever himself associated with violence or any public disturbance? For if you did, you would know him. And if you knew him, you would know why we must honor him. Malcolm was our manhood, our living black manhood. This was his meaning to his people. And in honoring him, we honor the best in ourselves. Last year from Africa, he wrote these words to a friend. My journey, he says, is almost ended, and I have a much broader scope than when I started out which I believe will add new life and dimension to our struggle for freedom and honor and dignity in these states. I am writing these things so that you will know for a fact the tremendous sympathy and support we have among the African states for our own human struggle. The main thing is that we keep a united front, wherein our most valuable time and energy will not be wasted fighting each other. However, we may have offered with, excuse me, however we may have differed with him or with each other about him and his value as a man, let us, excuse me, let his going from us serve only to bring us together now. Consigning these natural, these mortal remains to earth, the common mother of all secure in the knowledge that what we place in the ground is no more now a man, but a seed, which after the winter of our discontent will come forth again to meet us, and we will know him then for what he was and is, a prince, our own black shining prince, who didn't hesitate to die, 
because he loved us so. Boom. There it is. Look, you know how, you know how bad I want to say I am Malcolm X, right? <laughs> Man, no, that's not I'll just decide. That's um that's beautiful. And I appreciate you reading that because I, I bet that the vast majority of people have never actually heard the whole thing. Cause you hear what you hear in the movie is is snippets of it. And so most people have never heard it. And probably only snippets. Very few people have read it. So thank you for sharing that, man. Um, that's how we're closing it out. It's nothing else to say after you said all that. Next month, next next week, we'll be talking about uh we're gonna <laughs> it doesn't seem it does seem weird to even go to something else after that. But yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it it's, does, right? yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, all right. Next week we are going to be covering minority report which is not at all about black people, despite what some of you might be thinking. It's Tom Cruise movie. Um, but yeah, we're going to do Minority Report, changing gears a little bit. Um, once again, the Sticky Floors podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are on YouTube now as well. Please like, subscribe, share, and comment because your comments help us to do this better. Peace.